Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, this was an upside-down NFL weekend. All the things you think should happen, shouldn't happen. I mean, Leonard Fournette somehow rushes for 225 yards. He heard yards. me talking about him, AD. He did. <laughs> he did. He heard me bitching about him. He's like, this this fat ass from New Jersey can't be getting on my ass. But let me say this to you. Let me say this. At sure. least I think somebody's actually listening in Jacksonville. They got the two backfields. They put him in the deep eye, and they got him in two backs. Like, oh, okay, this is what kind of back he is. I mean, Minshew might be Wally Pip. He just might be. Uh, could you imagine? Like Gardner Minshew, unbelievable story there for the Jaguars. They ride of the victory. The Saints beat the Cowboys 12-10. to 10. we got tons to get to. Of course, our top three, bottom three. And let's get this out of the way right now here, too, because we give our picks every time, Sundays and Thursdays. I'm a man Lombardi right now, 10-5 and five on his picks. So make sure you take a listen on Thursday, 10-5 and five when it comes to your picks for all the people there with the smart money. And you'd be even better if you didn't uh, trust John Elway and the Broncos, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean... I mean, like Millie says to me today, tonight, she said, how many more times are you going to get burnt by Denver? You're a fool, like an idiot. She's right. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? You know, here's the thing. They were going into this year. They were undefeated in September. They were 22-0 and or 22-1, and okay? And they lose that game to Chicago. And then the next thing you know, they lose today. They're up 17-3 to with a backup quarterback. Joe Flacco's driving down the field. I don't know who the fuck he's throwing the ball to. I have no idea, right? He throws it over <laughs> over Emmanuel Sanders' head by 10 yards. And the next thing you know, they come down the field. And the middle eight of the football, I was so proud of Matt Rule the other night, A.D. Matt Rule at halftime of the Iowa State Baylor game, he, he talks to the ABC announcer coming off the field. we got to win the middle eight. And they looked at him like he was talking Greek, right? You know, it, the middle eight, the last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. And so here's what happens. And people don't think the middle eight's relevant. So, of course, Flacco throws the interception. They're going to put the game away. They're going to put the game away. And then he throws that horrendous ball, and then they come down. They get a touchdown, really, at the end of the half, but they get caught, they get bailed out with a holding call, and then they got to settle for a field goal to make it seventeen to six. Then they get the opening kickoff, and they spend I think almost eleven minutes driving that thing down. There was a third and eighteen. I had to go take a piss, and and I come back and I said to Millie, like, "What the hell happened?" She's all they converted it. I'm like, "Oh, this is like ridiculous." Gardner Minshew, you're playing at home, right? You're playing at home. You've got a 17-3 to lead against a rookie quarterback, and you lose. By the way, speaking of middle eight, this is one of the best parts of Gridiron Genius. By the way, your book is now available in paperback, so check it out if you haven't. But you were talking about Belichick and the fact that he often chooses not to have the ball at the start of the game, but rather he looks to, to kick it off. And the reason why is, as you pointed out, let's say he's facing a Peyton Manning. Well, if the Patriots can have a good drive towards the end of the first half, and then they have the ball at the start of the second half, that's like an hour that a great quarterback doesn't have the ball to get him out of rhythm. I thought that was fascinating. The best way to play defense is to play no defense. That That's the reality of it, to play no defense. I mean, that's the scary part is, I mean, Dallas had to play more defense tonight. I think tonight, I haven't the final score, the, the scoreboard isn't up tonight, but Dallas actually had to play more than 30 minutes of defense. The Saints made them play. They won ugly. The Saints have won, the Saints are going to keep winning ugly because the Saints, other than that sack, I think, I think we should do a better job educating the fans on another pet peeve of mine, which is where quarterbacks can't take a sack. There's parts of the field quarterbacks can't take a sack. And Minshew was really good at this today. He's got he's getting pressure from all over. He gets out of it. He hangs in the pocket and he throws a touchdown pass late in the game. And and because he knew he could take a sack there tonight, Teddy Bridgewater takes a sack at a place he can't take a sack. So that's one of my pet peeves too. But the middle eight is really how you can control football games. And you know the Saints. The Saints did a good job tonight of controlling what they could control with their limitations in terms of their quarterback at Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Teddy just can't make the plays. I mean, Teddy, after two games to me, and I know the Saints paid him a lot and he's going to be go out there, but Teddy to me looks like a really good backup, but not a starter. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the headline can be all the Saints have won a couple of games without Drew Brees, but I'm with you. It, it can't be sustained. I'm not saying that they're lucky. I'm just saying that they're paying strong football around him, and clearly the defense stepped up. But if you think you're going to win pivotal games with Teddy Bridgewater, you'd be mistaken. I had the best line of all. My neighbor, Bill, he's a Cowboy fan, and he's like, uh, I said, do you, what, do you think, uh, what do you think of this matchup between the Clapper and Sean Payton tonight? Now, he's a Cowboy fan, and he says to me, well, you know, the Clapper could have stayed in Dallas. The result's going to be the same. 
<laughs> That's how much confidence the Clapper. Bre- I mean, like, I want to know what I would really like a documentary on what Jason does during the game. I would like to know. And this whole Kellen Moore conversation about him being the next the next offensive coordinator. Let me just say this. They didn't do a good job on this on television. But I can honestly tell you, Dennis Allen kicked Kellen Moore's ass. He took him around the back door and he whooped his ass. Every run got stuffed because he was run blitzing every run. He knew where every run was going. He didn't get fooled on every run. The Saints players knew everything they were doing. They got their ass hammered to him. They knew every route. Like all this talk about Kellen Moore's the next coming of Jesus Christ and he's going to be the next head coach. He may become a great coach, but it ain't. Ha- he got his ass kicked tonight. He got his ass kicked tonight by Dennis Allen. That's the kind of straight talk we love. As always, you can go to Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to the GM Shuffle. My man, Eric Smith, E60, he loves the podcast. He says, you know what, Mike Lombardi, that guy always breaks it down. I'm like, yeah, he, let- he tells you how it is, uh, they, well, and they that's want me the to key. Lie to you. Yo, yeah, you know, everything's good. Washington's great. You know, the general manager in Washington's 59-93-2. That's good. He's doing a good job there, really. He's doing great work. Just be patient, Redskin fans. He's got it turned around. Plenty more coming up on the Redskins and on John Elway, but just a quick plug for Cinephile, my podcast, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts, C-I-N-E-P-H-I-L-E, Cinephile, the brand new review of The Irishman, Mike. I was fired up beyond belief. World premiere was last Friday, and I went and saw it again on Saturday. Who were you with? Like, who were you with? Was this, you got an invite? Who was all there? Tell me who was there. Yeah, so the one that I went to on Friday, that was like open to the general public. So it's a bunch of, uh, you know, mooks like me and you and whoever, just crazy fans for De Niro and Pacino. Yeah, exactly. But the crowd at night, the APM, that was like the industry screening. That was like a bow tie affair. So you and I, if we, you and I had gone, Steven Spielberg could have been sitting in front of us. Oh, look, there's Daniel Day-Lewis. Like that, that was the one that was all the heavy hitters. But honestly, man, it was incredible. I mean, this is a monumental film for Martin Scorsese. The fact that he and De Niro first movie together since Casino, which was 1995, and the first time ever Scorsese and Pacino have worked together. First time ever Pacino and Pesci. And Pesci hasn't made a film in nine years wow. to get him. I mean, the band is back together again. Keitel and Marty reunited, of course, they were great in Main Streets and Taxi Drivers. So I want to tell you this, because you, you know the basic premise, which is it's about Frank Sheeran, right. who is a noted hitman. It's based Philly. on the book, I Heard Japan Houses, which means he's a hitman. And um, it honestly, it's a wide-spanning story. I'll say this, Mike, for anybody out there who thinks, oh, this is Goodfellas 2.0 or Casino 2.0, you'd be wrong. You know what I mean? Goodfellas is an incredible film because it's so exhilarating and exuberant. Casinos about the rise and fall of these mob families in, in Vegas. This is very much a story about memory and loss and regret. And De Niro plays a, an old guy who's looking back on his life and reflecting on it. It's about memory and redemption and the mechanics of sin. And that's not to say there isn't the mob stuff. Of course, it's a Scorsese movie. You got a bunch of murders. Yeah, you got dark humor. It's very funny. But you'd appreciate the fact these are like Philly guys. Yeah. It's a Philly mob, South Jersey, and it has a ton to do about the Kennedys. And Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. Oh. Like, he's unbelievable as Hoffa. Yeah. Oh, you know, I love when Tony says, I don't understand you. Why do you love John Kennedy? You hate the brother. I love that man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The brother always trying to break up the mob. There's plenty of great scenes about that. So, like I said, plenty of talk about the Irishman. Uh, that's available on Cinema. Get a pair of scissors. Yeah. We have to call a couple tailors over from Italy and give them some fresh scissors when they get here. I love <laughs> that so line. Good. Um, Marcus, so like I said, Mike, upside down weekend. Fournette does great, and a guy that we've been critical of, Marcus Mariota, throws three first half touchdown passes as the Titans beat the Falcons. So they got a surge in confidence. Now they got to share the AFC South lead. Mariota threw two of those to, to uh, AJ Brown. Titans defense, by the way, three fourth down stops, beating the Falcons twenty four to ten. We can talk Titans in a second, but seriously, what the hell's wrong with Matt Ryan and the Falcons? They look like they're in trouble. Look, I'm just going to say it really clearly. I mean, the Falcons are 19 and 19 since the Super Bowl. We have this, the, the Falcons are one of these perception teams, partly because their general manager gets great publicity. You know, they always have great drafts, you know, and they've got a couple marquee players, but, you know, Dan Quinn's really dealing with a, with a, with a deck that's not great. They're 19 and 19. And they can't stop the run. And and anytime Tennessee beats a team, it's because they're going to go in there and be able to run the football. I think today, you know, Henry had 100 yards rushing. I mean, they can't stop the run. They have no physicality to them whatsoever. And look, I mean, Dan Quinn's on the hot seat. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Dan Quinn losing at home. I mean, he's easily 0-4. That Eagle game, he won, but it was didn't feel like a win. I mean, the scoreboard said he won, but it didn't feel like he won that game. And as you go through last week against uh, against Indianapolis, he scores three times in the second half, and he still loses the game because he can't stop him coming back, and he's taken over the defense. So, you know, hats off to Mariota. Great job, what, what he's been able to do. But the reality here is I'm telling you, the heat is on Dan Quinn, and it's going to stay on Dan Quinn. Everybody in the league thinks – 
that this job is going to open up, and it could open up all across the board. I mean, one thing about Arthur Blank, you know, Rich McKay's safe forever because he's on the, the the prestigious competition committee, but everybody else is not safe in that place. And this loss, I it, it's it rings really poorly within the building, and it's going to stay that way. I mean, Atlanta just isn't a good team, partly because when you can't play the run at home in a dome, when you can't play the run at home in a dome, you you can't play. Mariota, 18-27 for 227. Derrick Henry gets exactly 100 yards rushing, so there wasn't a whole lot the Falcons' defense could do successfully. And as for Matt Ryan, I mean, he had to throw the ball a ton, Mike. He was 35-53 of 53 for 397 yards. Think about this. He had almost 400 yards passing, yet zero touchdowns, and a complete absence of a run game. Devontae Freeman, 12 carries for 28 yards. That's anemic. That's giving zero support to your quarterback. He hasn't been able to run the ball all year. That's been their biggest problem. They haven't been able to run the football all year, and it's because their offensive line. I mean, they signed Carpenter. They got Brown. I mean, they paid money for Mack, but they're not good up front. You know, they're not a good team up front. Their, their talent level is really not very good. And I don't care what anybody tells me. I've said that for years. Their talent level. They've got some really good skill players, but their talent level overall isn't very good. It's always overrated. They have this perception, they and they don't do anything when it comes time to, like, for example, they'll never be aggressive in free agency. And when it comes time to try to find players, Quinn has to do as much as anything because the pro personnel department in Atlanta, I don't know what they do because they're so they're so interested in their draft picks. They don't care about anything else. I mean, here's the problem. They've scored 20 points in the first half this year, and they've allowed 71. I mean, you're behind 71 to 20. That's why Matt Ryan has so many yards passing because he's playing catch-up all the time. You give up 33 in the, 38 in the first quarter, 33 in the second quarter. Now they've only given up, they've only given up 28 the rest of the game, but the, the game's over at halftime. The game's over at halftime. And now you're wondering why? Well, because you average 3-7. I mean, Freeman is averaging 3-3 a carry. That's not good enough. You can't do that. Atlanta's not good. That's the problem. Atlanta's not good, and they're not good on defense. They talk about this defensive front. You know, I mean, Vic Beasley has a sack and a half. I mean, they're not good. They're up the field. They can't. They don't have no lane discipline. You know, it's not going to get any better in Atlanta anytime soon. Yeah, Hooper, the only one who had a big day. Even Julio Jones was silenced to four catches, 42 yards. On the other side of the ledger, Mariota, pretty good. Do you think, though, is this a case of taking advantage, like you said, a poor Atlanta defense, or is Mariota perhaps trying to figure this thing out and on the verge of turning the corner and being a, a serviceable or, or even a good NFL quarterback? Uh, I think everything about Tennessee is who they're playing and, and if they can run the ball. If they can't run the ball against the team, then it goes on. If Mariota can have balance, and we'll talk about this later with Jared Goff, if Mariota can have balance, then he's got a chance to be serviceable. If he has no balance and he's sitting there and he's trying to make throws, okay, they got Buffalo comes in and Buffalo will stop their run. Buffalo will force them to throw it. It'll be a harder game for them this week because Buffalo, they played the run against New England today really well. I mean, they shut down New England's offense. New England's offense did nothing, absolutely nothing today. Buffalo really was right in that game like we thought they would be. It was a close game. You know, the seven-point line never held up. But, uh, you know, I think it's all predicated on if Tennessee can run the football, then Tennessee's got a chance to win because it helps their defense tremendously. And one aspect as well is just, of course, taking care of the football. Mariota yet to throw an interception so far this season. He had faced growing criticism after managing only one touchdown pass and two straight losses, but a bit of a resurgence for him against the Falcons. All right, Jones. That's right, Daniel Jones. Mr. Jones, he and the defense leading the Giants over the winless Redskins. Is Danny Dimes working his magic again? Saquon Barkley's replaced with Wayne Gallman, the kid out of Clemson, scored two touchdowns. Jabril Peppers, 32-yard interception return as the Giants all of a sudden have some life. They win this game 24-3. to And yeah, Jones played well, but I'm telling you right now, the guy's playing the Redskins. The Redskins are so bad. That team is putrid. They're 0-4 really start, bad. Mike. They're worse since losing their first five in 2001. And now Jay Gruden's job is in jeopardy 35 49 and one after five plus seasons and just one playoff berth he's dead man walking and he can't wait i mean he can't wait for them to come in and fire him i mean literally he's got candles in his office he's probably got a buffet spread he'll feed him lunch i mean he can't wait for him to come in he can't wait for them to come in you mean i can leave and i'm still going to get paid oh please sign me up for that gig I mean, he knows it's over. His record's 35-49-1, and, and the general manager's 59-93-1. And he's going to keep his job. And the general manager's going to make you. And then today, I'm telling you, you know, Haskins, you can say what you want about the kid. 
you put that guy out there, really it looked like he had no practice. Of course, the whole Redskin team looks like they've had no practice. They can't run three plays in a row without getting a penalty. And their secondary is horrendous. I mean, Daniel Jones was just really not very good today. I mean, he threw a lot of a lot of passes, uh, you know, underneath routes against a really bad Washington secondary. This Washington team is bad, and they quit. I mean, they can fire Jay Gruden. I don't give a shit. They fire Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden will be the happiest guy in America. But their problems are going to keep continuing. And here's the other issue. Nobody on that staff wants to become the head coach. Nobody. They, Bill Callahan, you want the job? No. The only Probably Rex Rob Ryan will take it. Rob would take it. He, you know, he thinks, you know, he, he's he's goddamn like uh, he's like custard. He'll go running in there. He don't care how many Indians <laughs> are around. He'll just go running right in there. By the way, Jones twenty three or thirty one. But you're right. Underneath, it wasn't impressive work. I'm glad you mentioned the penalties. I mean, the Redskins mistake prone. Twelve penalties for fifty eight yards. I mean, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Only two of eleven on third down. One hundred seventy six yards of offense. I mean, just they made the Giants defense look good. The Giants defense with four interceptions. Can I go on the lim- out on the limb here a little bit? I'm going to do Swami here, and I'm going to just predict. I'll be Konak nice. on Johnny Carson. I'm going to I'm going to predict that the GM of the Redskins will be fifty nine. 94 and one this time next Sunday because they face the Patriots and the Patriots didn't play very good on offense this week. So I'm going to go on the limb and say they're going to probably put 400 yards on them. Washington, just an absolute mess. I mean, could you imagine being a fan of that team right now? You thought you had a little bit of spark oh, there. It's, it's a tragedy. It really is. It, it, this, these are one of those situations where you think the league office would come in and tell Daniel Snap, look, this is embarrassing. Like, we're a better league. The NFL's a better league when the Raiders are good. The NFL's a better league when the Redskins are good. The NFL's a better league when Denver's good. And when those three teams aren't really good, especially in the 4 o'clock window when you're sitting on the East Coast, you know, I, I watched the games over at the Borgata, which was incredible. Incredible venue to watch the games. A lively, a lot of Giant fans there, a lot of Daniel Jones jerseys there. It was fun. And, and, and the 4 o'clock games, you know, you want some good games. Well, typically, you know, the, the Chiefs are good, but they play in the 1 o'clock window. But you want the Raiders to be good. You want a, a, a Fox to have Washington Dallas be good. When Washington isn't good and Dallas and Denver's not good, good that's what makes the league great it's like denver denver they need to be good it, it helps the afc that the crowd's too good for the team to be so bad elsewhere a story that i think is going to resonate in terms of just you know there's such a focus right now for good reason on player health vontez perfect he'll never learn oh, the man. oakland raiders linebacker a history team of captain. hits team yeah. captain he's the team can you imagine making him a team captain <laughs> Ejected from the game after a blatant headshot on defenseless Indianapolis Colts tight end Jack Doyle. Doyle was trying to regain his footing after making a catch. And perfect, as you mentioned, Mike, a team captain, he lowered his head, crushed him with a helmet-to-helmet. This is a guy who spent his first seven seasons with the Bengals. He has been fined or suspended, wait for it, 13 times and been fined about $4.12 million during his NFL career. And he's back at it again for John Gruden. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. Now, let me say this. Mike Mayock hated this player coming out of Arizona State. Hated him. Despised him. Killed him. Killed him. His best friend, Paul Gunther, signed him in Cincinnati as a free agent. Gunther likes him. He makes all the calls for Gunther. He gets their defense organized, right? But to me, if you're Roger Goodell and you find this guy 4.12 and you, you care about player safety like we say we care about player safety, you got, and now they're going to go over to London, they could take him over there. They should just leave him there. Or don't take him at all and suspend him for four games. Because the only way he's, he's not, one thing you know this, it's like the death penalty. We learned this. It, it doesn't stop crime. Like finding this guy doesn't stop it, right? It doesn't stop it. You got to do something more dramatic. Take away what the guy wants to do. Pay him, but don't let him play him. You're not allowed to play. We'll pay you, but you're not allowed to play. You know, like do something that affects him. Right. Even before referee Scott Novak, he announced the crowd that the replay review was determined. Perfect was already jogging to the locker room. To your point, he's nonchalant about it. He knows, oh, yeah, I drilled him. I'm done for the day. I don't care. I'm out of here. He's doing it because he likes to do it. He's it's it's I don't want to call it pathological, but it's almost like he's he's sadistic in how he behaves. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about anybody's safety. He don't. He's just out. It's like a street fight to him. You know, and this isn't the this isn't remember the Titans here. Like we're you know, as Uncle Junior said, we're not we're not shooting a Western here. <laughs> you know, like we, this is like real. You gotta say, like he said, suspend him for something, right? A couple of games, like he said, if you don't play him, that's the key. Yeah, no, finding him doesn't work. 
right? Capital punishment. It's been proven it doesn't work. There's more, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not for or against it. I'm just saying it doesn't work, right? Like it doesn't work fine. Like get this guy off the field, but if you make him your team captain. You're saying this, you, you, this guy represents you. And it was a great win for the Raiders today. You know, the Colts can't play run defense. And John Gruden is really a good coach against a system of defense that he knows you're going to be in, and he can dial plays up. And when he played Indy, it was either going to be Tampa 2 or man, and Gruden's effective at that. Where Gruden can't handle it, he used to go crazy over Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson was, was a coordinator at Denver, and, and he was Gruden's nemesis. It was, he was Gruden's kryptonite when Gruden was really humming, right? And Gruden would walk around the facility. Man, this is Greg Robinson, what a great coach he is. Man, he's a great coach, you know. And and meanwhile, every time he played another team, they'd give up forty nine, you know. Like then, it was only because Denver could outscore people. But what 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 you learned, what I learned from it was, Gruden needs logic to call plays. Gruden needs logic. He wants you to know if I do this, you do that. Then I'm going to do that, right? He never wants to play against somebody unconventional. He's really good against conventional. I didn't think they would win today, but I really thought they would cover because he's really good against conventional, and he's really good when he can run the ball and he can stay in second and five, second and seven. He can call plays that way, and Carr can behave that way. But what happens is when he gets against good coordinators like Dennis Allen or he gets against the guys that know how to attack him, then all of a sudden they know he doesn't win that. And so Eberflus is a really good coach, but he's just too much of a one-album guy. He's got to change it up a little bit. And that's why Indianapolis can be vulnerable at times. Now, Brissett turned the ball over, and they didn't play well. They had too many guys hurt, losing T.Y. Hilton and all that. They didn't play their best football. But the reality of it is this is a perfect game for them. And Burfick takes away from what they did on the field to win this game. He takes away from it because he stains the win with this behavior. And also, by the way, we were talking in the past about Adam Vinatieri and how that terrible sturdy head of the season. He's still playing. He made three extra points and a 26-yard field goal. He did miss a 57-yard field goal attempt, but it's his 197th game of the Colts. So Vinatieri still hanging out here for the Colts and still trying to get things done for Indianapolis. Coming up next, what happened to the L.A. Rams? Mike and I break down their surprise loss at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All that more coming up right after this. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, again, it's upside-down weekend here in football. I, I can't make sense of this. Jameis Winston had a game for the ages. He passes for 385 yards through two of his four touchdown passes to Chris Godwin and Dominican Sue. That's right, a boy named Sue returning Jared Goff's fumble, 37 yards for a touchdown Mike, how in the hell this happened? The Bucks they beat the Rams 55-40. to 40. I mean, they dominated them. I mean, it wasn't really, it wasn't a close game. I mean, the Rams have only scored six points in the first quarter all year. You know, and the Rams only average 4-1 a carry. I mean, they can't run the ball. And when the Rams, ha- and when Jared Goff has to be in a drop-back pass game, it's not going to be pretty. It's just not going to be pretty. Nobody wants to hear it, but it's not going to be pretty. And the pressure bothered him. I mean, he got the offensive line for the Rams is not very good. And here's what the reality of it is, is since that game, we talked about it on Thursday. That's why, you know, the Thursday pod told you this was a nine and a half point. I didn't take the game, but this was this game's opened up by 11 and it went to nine and a half. Sharp money was all over Tampa Bay. They knew something, right? And Tampa Bay did a great job of game planning against them. 
And even though they were 3-0 and going into the game, the Rams have not looked good in the month of September. And Goff hasn't looked good since the Kansas City game. He's thrown, before coming into the day, he had 11 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's averaged under seven yards. That contract, A.D., that contract might go down as one of the worst contracts in football. Because what's happened in this sport now is people are paying quarterbacks, and when they have to manage quarterbacks, it's like they don't care. They're just going to pay the guy even though they have to manage him. We see that in Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins is like, when you pay $80 million for a guy that you can only do five things, you're in trouble, Right. You're in trouble. And, and I've been a Kirk Cousins supporter my whole, my whole career because I thought he got a bad rap there. But if you pay $90 million all guarantee or whatever the hell it was and you have to, and you have to manage your game plan so much that you take him out of it, that's a problem. Same thing with golf. I mean, this contract with golf is going to go down as one of the worst because I'm telling you, Sean McVay could have found somebody else to do exactly what golf's doing. Yeah, I still go back to your point about Goff, which is that can you see him winning a big game on the road at Lambeau Field or Soldier Field or when it's cold, know, name it Foxborough, right? He's just if he's going to struggle, like this is the kind of game, Mike. You look at the numbers, you go, oh, career high five hundred seventeen yards. Yeah, but he also threw three picks, second time in his career. Like he looked baffled, he looked dazed and confused against Tampa. This is a great win for Bruce Arians. Oh, it's a great win for Bruce Arians. But they start the game off, they go seven place punt. The next drive, intercept. Interception, the next drive interception. So, and, and and here's the thing: what people don't understand about the the Rams that everybody in the league talks about behind their backs or in front of them is if you can force them into a lot of third downs, Goff can't play on. Goff's not going to be effective on third down. They need play action pass. They need to be able to fake the ball, handing it off to throw it down the field. That's what they do really effectively. And when you get behind twenty-one to nothing like they did, it's hard to fake it. You know, Al Davis used to say. Well, why are we faking the handoff on two-minute drill? Nobody buys it. He's right. Like, why do you fake? Like, if you're in two-minute and you got to throw it, right, why are you faking a handoff, right? And, and, and so nobody buys it when they fake the handoff. you got to low drop back pass it. I, you know, I've never been a golf fan. I, I, I've been too critical of him. But to me, I think paying him this contract was absolutely ridiculous. And they're going to regret it because McVeigh's going to regret it because McVay, it's going to piss McVeigh off because he's not going into Chicago in, in, in January and playing good. I can tell you that. He ain't going to Green Bay in January and playing good. And he ain't coming into Philly and playing good in that weather. Todd Gurley, by the way, rushing for two touchdowns, only five carries for 16 yards. Rams running game was absolutely non-existent. Sean McVay, by the way, after the game saying, this is really a wake-up call for everyone, not just the offense. The only blessing is we have a short week. The only thing that we can really control is you play again on Thursday. So they'll be right back at it very quickly. Yeah, they got to go up to Seattle. And, and look, Seattle's not played well at home the last two home games. I mean, that the 12th man up there, it's like the 12th man at Texas A&M. It hasn't really been as important to them as, as, as in the past. This will be a good game on Thursday night. And what I feel like maybe the headliner here as far as teams you want to take apart, that would be the Denver Broncos. They blow a 17-3 oh. lead late in the first half. Then they went ahead, 24-23. Joe Flacco magic to Cortland Sutton, but too much time for Gardner Minshew. The rookie quarterback leads the Jags on a 60-yard drive aided by a Von Miller roughing the passer penalty and Lambeau with an easy range of the game-winning kick. To reiterate, Michael Lombardi here is 10-5 and on his picks. But the Broncos are screwing him because you believed in this team. And they let you down. They let you down, man. What's going on, John oh, Elway? Oh, man, they're killing. I mean, I don't know what Elway's. Do you know he has some kind of commercial or something? Like he does like an endorsement deal with some product. I heard that. It's yeah. been the talk of Denver. But it, clearly he's not putting the time in on this. This team isn't very good. I mean, this team is not for, they got sacks today. You know, they got five sacks today. So that certainly helped. But they've given up 11 sacks in, so far in the season. And, and, and they can't, they're not as good on defense. I mean, they're giving up 5.1 yards a carry. They're giving up 5-1 a carry. And opponent quarterbacks have a 97.3 rating going against them. I mean, that's not, that's not what I thought. When I thought they would win nine games this year, I thought it would be because they could play great defense. And I misevaluated their defense badly. I really did. I think I misevaluated it. I think I missed it more than John Elway did. He's watching it every day. I feel bad for Vic Fangio. First time head coach. He's lost two home games. One to a backup quarterback. You're not a good team when you do that. You're not a good team. Now he's going to go out to the Chargers, and maybe he can steal a win from Anthony Lynn because he can't win on his home field. But that's really bad. And Flacco's interception at the end of half is inexcusable. I mean, you got to be smarter as the play caller. you got to remind yourself, you should have his pitcher on your play sheet. You know, before you call plays, you should look at Joe Flacco's pitcher and say, you know, I, gotta, I, can't, I can't do that. i got to hand the ball off every now and then. 
It's Joe fucking Flacco. And this is a historic loss, Mike. Broncos blow a 14-point lead at home in a loss. First time since 2006. I mean, 13 years you haven't blown a 14-point lead at home. That's how brutal this loss was. Well, I mean, it slaps right at Elway. I mean, look at some of his draft picks. I mean, this guy, you know, he's allowed to get away with it because he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, just because you're a Hall of Fame quarterback doesn't mean you're a Hall of Fame executive. I mean, Ozzie Newsom's been a great executive. Larry Bird was a great executive. I mean, Jerry West is one, but there's some guys that haven't been one, and, and I'm not you know, look, if it were Joe Blow there in Denver, his ass would have been fired. I mean, let's be real honest here. We can be candid. It's just you and I. I mean, Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl for him. Nobody else. I mean, come on. Peyton Manning puts people in Canton, you know? I mean, he's made careers for people. Like, if you take the Peyton Manning era out of out of John Elway's life, what do you th- you know, what what's that record? Yeah, it's crazy to think, you're right, what a resume can build for you because he's so iconic there in Denver. People still remember the drive and the what, the helicopter spin. All that. Yeah, it's great. Get us a quarterback. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Speaking of quarterbacks, Chicago lost Mitchell Trubisky, but they still beat Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. You talk about the bad conscience of Jared Goff. The amount of Twitter hate that I saw, people just crushing their Kirk Cousins and just saying, is this going to be one of the worst contracts ever in football history? He, he couldn't do anything against the Bears defense. He looked like the monsters of the midway. Maybe Mike Zimmer's job's in trouble. Well, I mean, look, I, I think when you really break this thing down and you look at what, what, what Cousins and they're managing them, and I mean, it's really painful when you look at it and you see them and they're trying to manage them and everybody's like, well, you got to give him a nickname. Is he the heist too? You know, I, I don't even think it's fair to Brock Osweiler to call him the heist. I mean, you know, like he's deeper than the heist. What's the biggest bank robbery? What was the Great Northern Bank robbery, you know, in in in, in England when the, these guys stole like $120 million, They still haven't caught him. Right, because you called Osweiler the Lufthansa heist. The, the, he was the Lufthansa heist. I mean, he stole money. I mean, Cousins has actually played some games where you could say the problem is Cousins is a 20-20 quarterback. He, he can move the ball from 120 to the next, and then when he gets to the red zone, and then there's some games he can't move the ball from the 20 to the 20. And the thing that bothers me about Cousins more than anything is his lack of real interest and passion like you're you got it your quarterback this is one of my problems with mvp mitch is you got to be able to to drive your team through your quarterback you know you got to have your quarterback has to have some of your personality to you know brady played like crap today but the patriots have his personality you know that that you're not going to always play great it's not you're not going to be perfect but Cousins is personality. It just and then here's the other thing I think fans have to understand is if if your whole world's built on running the ball, there's going to be certain teams you can't run the ball against. And at some point, as Belichick often tells the team, at some point we're only good when the other team knows we have to throw it and we can throw it. And when the other team knows we have to run it, we can run it. That's the only time we really know we'll know when we're good. And the Vikings are only good when they can run the football. And that goes back to Cousins. I mean, Cousins, you paid them ninety million dollars, and you got to and you got to manage them. You got to. I mean, that's not what I pay ninety million for. Yeah. Look, I've said this so many years about free agency. The worst thing you can do in free agency is pay somebody and still need the position. Right. You feel like you have to do it. You're rather than wanting to do it, you feel compelled to do it. And you mentioned the running game. Dalvin Cook came in with three hundred seventy-five yards rushing. He was held to thirty-five yards on fourteen attempts, and that's with Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith out. And, and yeah. Mike, you've always talked about a time of possession. Bears 35-27 to 24-33. That's the time of possession. That's a 10-minute swing. That's how they win their third straight game. Cleo Mack was unbelievable. Uh, he was unbelievable. But look, we've all, we always say this on, on, on the shuffle. All the shufflers know this. Bad offensive lines don't travel. And the Vikings are a bad offensive line. I mean, let's be real honest. They've got good skill players, but their offensive line can't go on the road and win. And that's a tough team to win. Even when they have backups, it was hard to win. I mean, Cousins isn't good enough, and that's the problem. And you're doing everything to mask Cousins' problem because the more he plays, the scarier it becomes for you. Also, Trubisky, MVP Mitch, as you called him, he goes down early. Daniel did enough for the win, but we don't know right now the extent of the injury to Trubisky. So, Yeah, I mean, I just I've looked online, and they were talking about he could be a couple weeks. It's his non-throwing shoulder dislocation. If they, if they don't have to operate, it may be two to three weeks. You know, look, look I, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but there was a sense of, of – I don't want to call it up. I mean, they had some rhythm to their offense today. It wasn't pretty. He took a lot of checkdowns, Chase Daniels. Now they fly to London. They got to play over there. I can't imagine that he's going to play against the Raiders. Not that they have great pass rush, but with this defense, the way the Bears are, if they don't turn the ball over and they take what the def- what their opponents give them, 
they, they can win those 20 to 13 games. They can win those tight games, and Daniels can manage it. At least he's accurate on the underneath right. throws. Make him plays and not make him mistakes. I mean, now I will say this. If you bet M- MVP Mitch to win the MVP, you might want to consider, you know, that you're not going to get paid on that ticket. You just might want to. I mean, <laughs> after four weeks, you might want to think that's a bad. You know, you should hear, AD, you should hear the people in Vegas. My man, John Murray from the Westgate, oh, we have tremendous liability on Mitch Trubisky. You have no liability. It's a donation. By the way, Trubisky's season stats right now, 579 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, and, and all that came against in the Redskins. I mean, it's, it's really comical. It really is. And people think he had it turned around. Well, we built some confidence. Um, you know, if he had played today, actually the worst thing that happened was that Chase Daniels came in and managed the game. I promise you, Mike Zimmer's probably sitting on the plane ride back to, to Minneapolis tonight saying, damn it, we shouldn't have hurt him. I'm serious. I, I, I know that sounds, that sounds bad to say, but that's what people talk about on the airplane. Like, that's the first reaction. We're better off with the other guy in there. Yeah, I you know, I used to say this all the time at the Raiders. We're a couple injuries away from having a good team. You know, we just need to have the right injuries. It's like that Gallo sense of humor, right? Nothing serious. Just get the guy out of here. We'll get the backup in here because the backup's building this guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, like, yeah, we, he can stay started. Just Like, remember when Barney Fife wanted to sing in the choir and they would just make sure that he just mouthed the words, you know? that. That's what we want you to play quarterback, but you really, you know, we just want you to mouth the words here. <laughs> Great Barney Fife reference. Meantime, the Chiefs score late. They stay undefeated, 34-30 over the Lions. Patrick Mahomes getting it done. Fourth down with a run to extend a game-winning drive. Oh, Ended with Daryl Williams' one-yard touchdown run. Chiefs win 34-30. I mean, listen, Detroit played better than I would have thought, Mike. They hung in there, but uh, KC finds a way to get it done as the Chiefs are now 4-0. They did. And, and then I've been talking about them all year, about how they've been good at Ben's the Rush. Fourth and nine. And they, and they get three guys on the left side of the center and one guy's to the right of the center. And there's this, there's this gap that I swear to God, you know, you could have run 20 Legotos through it. It was just a huge gap. And Mahomes takes off and scrambles for nine yards. I mean, look, this was a game I think Detroit got screwed. There's a fumble that returned for a touchdown that I couldn't really tell was a fumble, you know, when I was watching the game. And Detroit, I, Matthew Stafford played his ass off. He played hard. I mean, he was hurt, had the bad hip injury. Uh, you know, Detroit played way better than – I mean, Detroit I knew was going to play well. I had them covering the line because I, I thought they would backdoor cover it. I didn't think that the Kansas City would come and cover it by beating them by four, but I thought they would backdoor cover it. And Kansas City did exactly what they – they didn't play – they didn't bring their A game today, but they brought enough to beat them. And, and I, you know, look, Detroit – I think that's a great effort for them. They just didn't have enough on defense to stop them when they needed to. Yeah, I mean, the Detroit Patriots is that moniker that Patricia's trying to use for this team. And right now they're 2-1-1. I don't know how good they are, but they they had, I mean, listen, their offense, like you said, Stafford overcame that stigma, that stereotype, or that false perception. He doesn't play well against good teams. He's certainly stepped up. Mahomes just a little bit better. And this Chiefs team, bottom line, is fun to watch. The, yeah. And their defense, like you said, nothing to phone home about. They're going to score points, though. Yeah, they are. And, and I think this, here's what I, Lions fan, I think your teams play hard. I think they're playing well. They're playing hard. But here's the thing you've got to understand if you're a Lions fan, that you're going to play the, no matter, you're never going to beat anybody resounding. Your, every game you play is going to be nip and tuck. It's going to be, it's not that your team's going to play down to the level. It's going to be your team's going to play because they're just never good enough to go in there and dominate anybody. And when they go on the road, you know, next week they have a bye this week. Then they got to go to Green Bay. Then they got home against Minnesota. It's all going to, all the games, maybe with the exception of the Redskin game in week 12, all of them are going to be hard. Who are the top three and bottom three teams after a week for the NFL? Mike and I make our picks, give away our weekly awards after this. All right, time now for the weekly awards as Mike gives out some hardware. First off, on the lamb, your boy John Elway. Uh, he got to go on the lamb, bro. I mean, like, he should be in witness protection. I mean, how is he getting away with this? Seriously, tell me what they've done right in, in, other than they draft Von Miller and Bradley. What have they done good? And that's the thing, right? Because you, you, you get faked into these things because you say, oh, well, remember that Super Bowl, right? Oh, yeah, man, that defense is really good. And you go, no, no, it's just a couple of players. Like you said, because Von Miller stands out, you all of a sudden think the whole unit is good. And that's not the case. The fact they didn't have any sacks until today is crazy. Yeah, and the fact they can't win at home. I mean, the one thing you think about Denver is you think they're going to be 6-2 and two at home and they steal three wins on the road. They go 3-5 and five and they're 9-7, and seven, right? And now they're 0-2 at home in September when they typically win. And, and here's the thing we didn't even talk about. Gardner McKay Minshew, I mean, my man was thrown into the wind. There was a 20-mile-an-hour wind in this game. 
I mean, they lowered they lowered the over and under down to thirty seven. That's how prevalent the wind was in this game. Now it went over, but I mean, the book the books were lower in the because they felt like Gardner McKay Gardner McKay Minshew wasn't going to be able to do it, and and he did. I mean, that's got to be a hard loss for Elway tonight, sitting at home in his big Cherry Hill mansion. I mean, he's got to be sitting there saying like, "Whoa, like I I, I I'm here." And it's a good thing he doesn't have an owner. I mean, they're an ownership dispute, right? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the question. AD that that's on the flight home is this Minshew played really good. He's played good for three games. You gave Nick Foles all this money. Nick Foles can only operate in a shotgun. Are you better off trading Nick Foles and go with Minshew or just letting Minshew finish out the season and play and get back into a deep eye formation with a fullback like they did today and let Fournette run the ball a little bit? Isn't that crazy that the fact Foles was highly coveted after what he had done with the Eagles the last couple of seasons? Jacksonville feels like they win the, the bidding war, so to speak. And after a few games, maybe they're going, hey, you know what? Do we really need this guy? I, I mean, that's how you think. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're at the quarter mark of the season. I mean, you, you're thinking that all the time because you're wondering, like, Minshew looks like a really good player. Like, Minshew looks better than... He looks better than Haskins has. Now, in fairness to, in fairness, to, I'm going to give Haskins a pass because I don't know if any of the, I don't know if Daniel Jones would have looked good in Washington or if anybody because nobody's coaching there. There's no coaching going. There's no conditioning. There's no coaching. We, they're an expansion team, but for the most part, I mean, Minshew's, I mean, he's hard to tackle in that pocket. He escaped. He made something out of nothing a couple times. He was really good today. And, and, and you know, he doesn't do it all the time. And you got to give him credit for how they call plays. And I'm no Fournette fan, but at least when Fournette's in the deep eye and they're feeding him the football and he gets himself going a little bit, he's hard to tackle. All right. How about the Fred Palermo Award? Best uh, game plan going into the week. Well, you got to give it to the Brownies. I mean, the Brownies came out and kicked the Ravens' ass. I mean, this this game wasn't as close as the score, and the score wasn't close. I, you know, I'm going to let you in on a secret here. The Ravens are bad on defense. The Ravens don't have any swagger to them on defense. They lost all their tough guys. They lost. They have no juice, as John Gruden would say. They got no men on defense. They have no men on defense. They lost Mosley. They lost Weddle. That you know, here's what happens to most teams. You take a guy. The, this is what the media never understands. Okay, we got Earl Thomas. He replaces Weddle. Well, Earl Thomas doesn't make a lot of checks, and Earl Thomas has never played in the system before, so it's brand new to him. So he's not comfortable in it. So it's going to take him a long time. Whereas when Weddle was back there, he made everybody else better because he was telling everybody what to do. So they lose Weddle, they lose C.J. Mosley, they lose Suggs. They've lost three players on their defense that were men. I mean, Baltimore stinks on defense, and it really happened last two, three weeks ago when, when the mayor of Munchkinland just threw the ball all over the lot on him. And he's yet to do it against anybody since. Right. Right? He's yet to really do it. He got 127 against the Panthers. He got a bunch of junk yards today against Seattle. He never really could command it today. And so, you know, I mean, to me, I think Baltimore's really bad. And my hat's off to Cleveland for coming in there. They got Chubb going. I mean, and they made some plays. But I'm telling you, you and I can get open against this Ravens secondary. This Ravens secondary is bad. Their talent level is not very good. Yeah. Browns go to 2-2. Two and two, Ravens 2-2. Two and two, So a key win there for Cleveland. How about the KGB award, the team that got duped this week, Mike? Oh, man, they, I'll tell you what, the, the, the Rams were licking those Oreos, and they got their asses beat. I mean, let's face it, the Rams were licking the Oreos, and, and they got KGB'd right out of it. I mean, Tampa comes in there and gives them a whooping. Sean McVay's right. There's no part of his team that played good. I mean, he hasn't played good all month. I mean, he steals the win in Carolina, good win for probably was their best win opening day. They come back in week two. Drew Brees gets hurt. They beat the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater. And that game was a lot closer than 27-9. Then they beat the Brownies 2013. The Brownies are trying to tie the game up late. And then they give up 40. So, you know, they haven't really played. I would say their best game is the Panther game opening day. We're going to find out about them. They got Seattle. They got Seattle and San Francisco in the next two weeks. Two NFC West teams. We'll see. But the Rams got duped. I mean, let's say they're a 10-point favorite at home and give up 55. That's a lot of Oreo looking. Yeah, that's shocking. And like McVay said, the good news is we had a Thursday game, so a quick turnaround for us. How about the why did we win, why did we lose? The win goes the Raiders and the Browns, the loss, the Vikings and the Rams. The Raiders won because they understood how to attack the defense of the, of, of the Colts. They understood how, what they were playing, and they could get ahead in the down a distance, and it wasn't just a 50-pass game. Carr can't function if they can't run the ball. And it's the same thing with the Browns. The Browns got balance out of their team. They were able to run Chubb. They had balance, and it took the pressure off of Mayfield, and they were able to make plays. The Vikings lost because they're trying to constantly cover up. They're curly in the boat with Kirk Cousins. That's what they are. 
Curly in the boat. You know, Curly's got one hole in the boat, so he drills another hole to let the water from the first hole out. Well, that's Kirk Cousins. You know, you're trying to cover up one hole for Kirk Cousins, and you open up another hole. You're trying to patch up this for somebody else, and you lost. At some point, you got to say to yourself, you know what? We made a mistake. Maybe we should just let Kirk Cousins go to the Jets. That would have been typical of that. There's always a team that you're competing against, you know, and you think to yourself, man, if we see the player the same way they do, we might be wrong. Well, I've defended Kirk Cousins for far too long, but the watching his watching him play with really not a lot of urgency to him, you know, he's got skilled players and he still can't, he doesn't make anybody better. I think that's the thing that drives me crazy about Kirk Cousins. He doesn't make anybody better. And you could say about the offensive line, there's no doubt about it. The Rams, why did they lose? They lost because it became a drop back pass game and they can't function throwing the ball 63 times. They need to, they need Goff to throw at 30. They need to be able to run the ball. But when they got behind in this game, they couldn't do that. That's why they lost. The crazy thing about Cousins, Mike, just to, to finish that point, is that Everybody seemed to agree this guy isn't a top five or top ten quarterback, but it was all timing, right? He got franchised at the right time. He got franchised again. The Redskins had no choice. You're like, all right, well, he's the best available right now. He had put back together back-to-back excellent seasons, and he cashed in at the right time. So it's not like you begrudge him necessarily. Like Nobody ever believed he was great, but he had a couple of very strong years. And like I said, it, it was all about timing, and he cashed in, and now you go, man, how the hell can anyone pay him that much money? I would say this. I would have said to Sean McVay, Sean, look, I, I'm, we're not going to pay golf. He's got another year. We'll give him that. You're going to go out there and you're going to find the next golf. I'll pay you $20 million a year to be the head coach of the Rams, but you have to find the quarterback because golf, you've made golf great. Golf didn't make you great. You made golf great. And I think what's happened in the NFL is you, the worst mistake you can make in the NFL, and I've made it, so I'm speaking from experience, is when you pay for mediocrity. When you pay for mediocrity, you screw up your team in sports franchises. And you've got to understand what truly is great and what truly is mediocre. And if you don't and you pay for mediocre and you think he's great, it happens in the NBA all the time. They pay, you know, because it's free agency. They pay these max contracts, and the guy's really mediocre. He doesn't move the needle, to use an ESPN term, okay? He doesn't move the needles, but you're paying him like he does. And that's what I think is what's happened with some of these quarterback contracts. I think that's exactly what happened. All right. How about if you don't know, now you know. The main takeaway from this week of football is? I don't think there's a great team in the NFC. I, it's not Philly. I think the Bears might be the best team. It could be with Chase Daniels. But let's just go through it. Like, I don't, um, tonight Dallas loses 12-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, great teams don't score 10 yeah, points. Yeah, the Rams obviously have discussed vulnerable. Uh, the Niners are 3-0, and but you don't know how good they are. <laughs> Look, they turned the ball over five times and should have lost. You know, the two games that they they beat Tampa and they beat and they beat Pittsburgh, they could have lost easy, easily. Will lost both of those games. Right. I mean, I I don't have them. I I don't know if there's a great team in the NFC. Saints three and one, but you're right with Bridgewater. I mean, if they get Breeze back, maybe they become the best team because this defense played well. They've played well. They gave up a lot of yards in Seattle. I don't know if there's a great team after after four weeks. I can't say to you. Man, this team's really good. I mean, I think the there's there's weaknesses in all the NFC teams. All right, how about who is courageous, who is desperate? Oh, I think Atlanta's desperate, AD. I think they're desperate. I think there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. This is what when it gets bad on staffs. This is when when you're old, when you're one and three, and people think the hammer's coming. And now it's not that bad in, in Washington because they're all expecting to get fired, so you know they don't really care. But Atlanta, this is one of those where they're not sure what's going to happen. And then you get desperate and you start wondering what the hell's going on. All right. So that brings us to this issue now, which is the top three and the bottom three. And it kind of leads to the fact, like you said, Mike, that, you know, who is the best, who's the worst? For me, the top three is straightforward. The Patriots still haven't trailed this season. And listen, the Bills defense hung tough. They did put a little bit of scare in the Tom Brady. He was not at his, uh, his strongest today. But New England does enough to win. You know, whatever, tough place to play, all the rest of it. Pats number one. Chiefs. Again, Mahomes and company, they're going to give up points. They're also going to score 30-plus points. They win it 34-30. to And number three, only because, kind of to your point, but no great teams in the NFC, I just want a little bit of balance. I'll put the Packers. Yeah, they're coming off a loss against the Eagles, and it was at home at Lambeau, but Philadelphia played inspired. I felt like they played desperate. Rodgers and the Packers almost led them to win until Philadelphia got that key interception on that bad break. So I'm going to go Pats, Chiefs, Packers as my top three. How about you? 
I'm going Pats and Chiefs. And you know what I decided? I mean, and I don't mean this as a shot towards Trubisky, but I think the way Chicago is so dominating on defense with playing with backup players today, you know, I'm like, I I think they're the best team. If they get any play from the quarterback and – you know, I don't want Trubisky to miss any games. I don't. I don't think he's their answer. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, they are the best team. They just don't have a. They don't have a consistency of quarterback. I think they are the best team though, because defensively, you got to give Pagano credit. He's done a great job of of filling in for Vic Fangio. They're turning the ball over, and they're hard to play. They can dominate the game. They really can. All right, as far as the worst teams in football, the bottom three, the Dolphins, I think we can agree, are the worst team in football. They're happy with that. Yeah, they, they want are. to tank for Tua anyways. I, I'm sorry the Dolphins are the worst. Happy birthday, Matthew. He, he turns 29 tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, he'll turn 29. I know it's tough for him to lose games. Happy birthday. Mick, how about this? I got two sons. Mm-hmm. I just had a baby. My, Matthew just had a baby boy. That's nice. four grand. Millie and I have four uh, grandsons. We just will announce so we have... Uh, Dean Elliott Lombardi, he just had it. He tur- And then his birthday's on the 30th. He'll turn 29. And then Mick's birthday's on the 1st. He's got two boys. So we're, we're getting together a team. So even though, Maddie, we put your team in the last place, we still love you. Yeah, I was about to say, it's always family, right? Your son's above all yeah. else. Uh, 31st is the second worst team in football. I'm going to put the Broncos just because, I mean, today yeah. was a heartbreak. You should have won that game. They got a rally. They blow it anyways. A 14-point lead at home to me, that's inexcusable. And the third worst team, oh, one out the Redskins. They're about to lose their coach yeah. it looks like they're owning four to me it's pretty straightforward those are the worst three teams in football and i agree with your order i just had the redskins as the second worst and i put denver as the third worst because i i agree with you you lose at home to a rookie quarterback and you got a 14 point lead that that's malpractice and it starts with the general manager i mean he's got to be you know and he's never accepted accountability for any of it it's always been somebody else's fault and look here's the thing and and this is really what i think it should happen some of these freaking gms in the league like the one in washington they should just coach the team they want to control everything they see al davis this al davis disease has spread through the league where these guys sit in the gm chair and they want to coach the team but they don't want they want plausible deniability that they're not involved. I mean, if Elway wants to run everything the way he wants to run, he should just coach the goddamn team. And it's the same thing with the same thing with the GM in Washington. He wants to tell them who to pick and who to play. He should just coach the team. Uh, last thought for a Monday Night Football, two bad teams, two 0-3 teams. You get the Bengals and the Steelers 0-3. Joe Tess, Booger McFarlane gonna try to sell this one. Who you got winning this game? Uh, if I mean Pittsburgh's desperate, they got to win this one. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's one and nine against them. Haven't won there. They, and, and typically, Cincinnati can't really move the ball. Cincinnati's offensive line is bad. They struggle to pass protect against a lot of people. The secondary look. I think Pittsburgh's in real trouble. I think if Pittsburgh's in real trouble, everybody in the league tells me that if Mike Tomlin doesn't win this year, he's out. Now, a lot of people think if Mike Tomlin loses and he gets fired, he'll end up in Carolina because the new owner of Carolina, David Tepper, used to own part of the Steelers and has a really good relationship with Mike Tomlin. So, you know, I wouldn't say Mike Tomlin's out of work, but I think there's a sense of urgency in Pittsburgh to win. So that's why I would put Pittsburgh. And how about the highs with Mike? Who do you got? I got to give it to Justin Fields. You know, all I heard all week is the Sharps love Nebraska. You know, that's what when I do Vison, they, they talk about the Sharp money. You know, I, I I can almost picture you know Mush coming in and betting on a game or something. You know, where's this Sharp money come from? You know, but the Sharps love, love and I'm like, tell me what game Nebraska's played good this year, right? And then Justin Fields went out there and proved it. You know, and he went out there and proved it, and he's you know he's played sensational. He's got 16 touchdown passes, hasn't thrown an interception. He's got 194 quarterback rating. I mean, he deserves, just like Joe Burrow, to be in the Heisman conversation. Now, we're just going to give it to Lincoln Riley's quarterback every year, then we should just call it the Lincoln Riley. We shouldn't call it the Heisman. But Justin Fields and Ohio State are a legitimate team. Yeah, Buckeyes look really good against Nebraska. That game was on primetime over on ABC, so kudos to them. As always, check out the GM Shuffle on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. You can rate the podcast. Give us a little bit of a review. And check out Cinephile as well with the Irishman full review there. As always, we are Sundays and Thursdays. We'll talk to you on Thursday.